The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. Some pretty powerful energies around this week. We've got the WESAC full moon actually happening in about 15 minutes' time. I think we've lots of bubbling energy going on here. And this is the time in the uh, annual calendar when people make a, a pilgrimage into the WESAC Valley high in the Himalayas. It's the legend that the Buddha returns for eight minutes to bless all of the people. And so we're actually... As we're going to be inhabiting heaven now with Andrea Matthews today, we're actually going to be making this connection at exactly this this moment of uh, of wonderful energy involving these higher uh, vibrational frequencies. And before we start with uh, Andrea, I just want to tell you a quick story because it's just amazing how life is unfolding. And two weeks ago, Richard Rudd was on the show talking about the Gene Keys, and uh, I started working with the Gene Keys with the Golden path that Richard uh, talked about on the show and realized this was deeply profound work and in many ways was a, a, listen, a missing link to uh, our inner journey, our own personal grail quest as it were and uh, Richard was about to come on a North, uh, North America West Coast tour to do some workshops and uh, he did his first workshop in Vancouver, was heading to Portland and the Bay Area and um, had some problems at the border and, and was not allowed into the States. He's from England originally. And so uh, he ended up coming to visit with me. So we've just had two days together uh, talking about spirit and consciousness and the gene keys. Absolutely wonderful guy. So there's a bit of instant manifestation, Andrea, from the gene keys book and the energy of it to the man actually standing in my house. It's pretty That's amazing. amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he turned me on to his work, and I've really been enjoying uh, doing that work, and it truly is profound. So, yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, not at all. And it's a it's a tool that we can all work with and get a, a great understanding of this journey. But this show is not about him; it's about you, Andrea. So, welcome back to the show. It's lovely to have you back on. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Peter. So last time you were on, we were talking about authentic living and living the authentic life. And obviously, since then, you've put out uh, your latest book, uh, Inhabiting Heaven Now. So just tell us about how that unfolded for you from the previous work and how this moved forward to this. Well, you know, my first book was uh, Restoring My Soul, uh, Finding and Living the Authentic Self. And really, it was taken from a 
more of a psychological perspective than a spiritual one, though it was spiritual as well. And um, as you progress into understanding who you are as an authentic self, you have to encounter the spiritual aspect. And that, of course, then would bring a person to divine self, which is what Inhabiting Heaven Now is all about. So uh, from that perspective then, um, actually I began writing a different book that has not yet been published. I've uh, been working on it for several years that um, ha- that allowed me to translate some of the uh, biblical scriptures from the actually the Hebrew uh, Tanakh and the and the um, and the Christian Old Testament and New Testament that uh, I found out that the the language that's been chosen doesn't really match the root language in many many instances and so that's sort of where that started and then from there um, I began to develop this whole idea of what it is that we're doing here on planet Earth and uh, Inhabiting Heaven Now came out of that. Oh, great. So tell us a bit about the book and, and, and the significance to, to our listeners. Well, the interesting thing about this thing about heaven and earth is that we've decided that there's a big divide between heaven and earth and that heaven is somewhere out there and we get to go there after we die. And even not just Western religion believes that. Many of the other world religions also have that basic concept in mind that heaven is somewhere else and earth is down here and and the divine being, whatever you call him or her, is uh, um, up there having a great life and we're down here suffering. <laughs> and uh, so uh, that concept keeps us in a state, what I call the duality trance state, whereby we believe we're separate from the divine and we're living down here and struggling along trying to make a way to get back united with uh, that divine entity and and when we die we get to do that and until we die we don't get to do that and that uh, that concept is not uh, proved to be true based on many of the world's sacred texts uh, not only do we find it in the Bhagavad Gita and uh, the Buddhist sutras and the Sufi sutras uh, much of the mystical literature but also it's in the root language of the Bible and that is the big shock that um, what we've been taught to believe the Bible says is not at all what the Bible actually says when you look at the root language so uh, we started off in the book talking about morality and what that's all about because we believe that our separation from the divine is based in morality or lack thereof. And and so we have to really get a grip on what it is, what this thing of morality really is and isn't. And then that's sort of a statement of the problem. From there, we begin to go into the solution, which is to begin to inhabit heaven now. So that's sort of the basic overview. So let's talk a little bit about the, the struggle and, and that morality issue that you're alluding to. Just Just explain a little bit about that to us. Yeah, we we've um, we've determined that there's a good and a bad, and 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 that the all of life actually can be divided into those two very um, rigid categories. Where and and that includes even our taste, our our you know everything about our lives, the government, the <laughs> our lovers, or whatever. We, we, everything is either good or bad, um, or some gradation between, and we don't we think in those dual terms. So. 
um, when something that's difficult happens to us, well, that's a bad thing. If something that's, you know, we win the lottery, well, that's a good thing. Well, you know, people have won the lottery. It didn't turn out to be so good, you know. So it's not what we think is good and bad is based upon how we feel about it. And that's really about all it is. It's really very subjective. And yet it's applied in very factual, objective terms. So we've decided on what is good and what is bad. And yet when you get down to really determining what that means, it's difficult. For example, we believe that God is good. The God of the Old Testament, uh, the Christian Bible and the Jewish Tanakh uh, is good. But that's not what the God of the Old Testament and uh, the Jewish Tanakh actually says in defining uh, um, himself, it, it, the words, I'm using him because that's what that, those texts use. Um, it's, it says, I am Yahweh and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and I create evil. I, Yahweh, do all these things. That's from Isaiah 45, 7. Another definition that God gives of himself is I am that I am. It's translated by um, Charles Fillmore, author of the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary. That to mean I am, I was, I will be, because I am, I was, I will be, the power to be eternally I. Um, he also suggests that every time we see the word Lord, we should translate that as I am. Also, a third time God de- defined himself was when he spoke to Moses. He said, I'm the Lord, and I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, Lord Jehovah, did not make myself known to them. So he's saying, I'm real, you know, you guys are calling me Lord, but really I am, I was, I will be because I am, I was, I will be the power to be eternal I. And I create all everything, whether you call it good or bad or not. So uh, those definitions of God don't say anything about God being good. And therefore, if God's not good, then why do we need this evil Satan? So then we talk about Satan, and that's a whole other subject we can talk about for a minute if you want to, but it's. Oh, yes, please. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, uh, the idea of Satan is, you know, it started out as a, a god. Satan started out as a god, and it's been actually used in both senses throughout history. When you look at the history of the word Satan or the devil, you find that 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 based upon whichever period of time, history, and religion you're looking at. Um, they give blessings. Um, they do great acts of beneficence, and um, and that that God does the evil things. So it's not you know it's it's based on whatever you're looking at as to what the history is of Satan. But also in the actual text of the Bible, one of the things that we refer to most often is um, that statement made by Jesus: "Get thee behind me, Satan." And we say, well, if Jesus knew there was a devil, there must be a devil. But if you look at the root language of those words, that is totalege autos uhubago satana, which means um, I, really when you look at the root language, it's saying, then he affirmed to himself, indeed to the very essence of himself, I will not be led by my accuser. That is what Jesus actually says. And he said that again to Peter one time when Peter said something that he didn't think that was, was going to help out with his cause. So, uh, you know, there's uh, when when you look at um, Satan, a biography by Henry Anscar Kelly, he talks about the word Satan as it used in the Old Testament as a Satan. And if you look at the root language, that's what it says. It's a Satan. It's not Satan. It's not a person. It's an accuser, an opposer, somebody who gets in your way. If you look at the terms for devil, 
diabolos, Greek term for that, it actually can be divided into two words, dia and bolos, or dia and bolos. And the dio is, is just a primary preposition, meaning it's something that goes through or the reason of or account of. But balo means to throw something out without regard to where it falls. So when we think of uh, diabolos as an accuser, then we could say that the, the, that the devil is actually that part of us that accuses us of uh, not having a soul or not being our souls so that we throw the soul out and not give regard to where it might fall. And we can do that because we can throw the soul into the unconscious. So in all of those ways, what we're learning is that it's, there's no big battle between the big supernatural powers in the universe. There might be a battle inside us because we don't know who we are. But those things about good and evil don't really exist. So uh, further, when you start to try to define good, the only way to define it is by it not being evil. And the only way to define good, evil is by it not being good. When you say, well, we shouldn't kill, well, yeah, maybe we should this time. And maybe we should when there's a war. And maybe we should when somebody's a really horrible person. Or maybe we should... You know, should we kill or not? Who knows? You know, it's up for the situation. So uh, those things make us really question the whole nature of good and evil. And and based on the fact that the duality trance state is based in a concept of good and evil and not in the concept of oneness, we have to consider whether or not we're doing some doublespeak when we talk about good and evil uh, and oneness in the same paragraph. Because if, if oneness is there, then good and evil are one. So, Andrea, we're coming up to our first break, and, and hopefully our listeners will take a, a moment in the break to start getting their head around this because it is an important shift for many people into a new way of uh, seeing our lives. It's Peter Tong for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Being Outside the Box is your thrival guide to living outside this reality. Are you always waiting for your ship to come in? Do problems happen to you? What if you created your life rather than sitting by waiting? Do you live in the fantasies of this reality, winning the lottery, waiting for your prince, princess to come, even being healthy? Do you always do what is expected of you rather than choosing for you? What if the rules didn't apply, and what if you could thrive from a different space? Join host Lynn Waldrop for Tools to Being Outside the Box. Listen Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness.
listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertung.com, to find out all of the different things we've been involved in, uh, our Landscape Zodiac work, our journey recently down to New Mexico. And on that note, um, I'm actually going to be doing the show myself next week, and I'm going to be talking about uh, that journey and the, the Landscape Zodiac work that we did there, and also the implications that seems to be emerging around the uh, Grand Cross that is now obviously dissolving from its most intense form and how that we can work with that to help us uh, shift into this next level of awakening uh, awareness. And my guest today, Andrea Matthews, is certainly helping us with that, taking on a very challenging aspect of our world. In fact, the central core of our world in terms of our belief systems and Andrea, when you were talking before the break, I just uh, had this sense about the Judgment Day and how people live their lives uh, fearful of that particular moment uh, when they cross over. So uh, help our listeners get a bit of a sense of, of how you in, are interpreting that and understanding that now. Yeah, I'm going to look at that strictly from the New Testament because those are the people that are the most worried about it, okay? So I'm going to talk <laughs> sure. about it from that, yeah. From yeah, that totally. perspective. The words judgment and judge and, uh, and judgment day are all the same Greek word. And basically what they're talking about is uh, an idea of completion. Um, it means the, the word is crispus, if I can say it correctly. It means um, separating. Uh, there's a judgment there. There's an opinion. There's a decision. There's a condemnation or a sentence. But it also means to choose, to approve, to be of an opinion, to make a decree. So there's lots of ch- choices that the translators of the Bible had when they when they decided to call this word judgment instead of um, choice or approval or you know those other words that could have been just as easily chosen. Um, when it comes to the judgment day. Jesus, what Jesus said was the judgment day, the day of judgment is now. And what he meant, uh, in my perspective, based on the root language, is that that day occurred when he was there. Because what he was saying when he said, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, is I am is the way, the truth, and the life. The I am that we all are. The divine self is the way, the truth, and the life. And um, when, so what he came to do was show us that, to give us that dis- demonstration so in that very showing we're that is the day of judgment it's the very same um mythology that is uh used in the uh, numbers 21 in the old testament or the jewish Tanakh that that tells the story of when the when the the israelites sinned on their journey across the desert god got mad at them and sent serpents into the to the camp and the serpents bit many of the israelites so that some of them died and some of them were going to die and um, Moses went and prayed, and, and God said, okay, well, hold a, hold a bronze serpent up on a staff and let these people look at that. And so he held up the bronze ster- serpent, and the people looked at it and were healed. So that what we get there is the thing that was killing them was also the thing that healed them. 
And that is the same thing as the duality trance state we're in. We are put in this duality trance state because we're meant to bring form into a full awareness of its divine nature. That's form. That's my body. That's your body. That's the things that we touch and the food that we eat. The, you know, that, that's matter. But we don't think of it in those terms. And really, down through the generations, we thought that matter and form and body is particularly was evil or it, at the uh, best-case scenario was that it should just be ignored. It's not, it doesn't matter. The thing that matters is your soul. And those two were considered to be very, very separate. But what we're here to prove to ourselves and to all of the universe is that matter is divine. And our quantum physics is beginning to prove that now, that that all the quarks and uh, neutrinos and everything that goes down below uh, what we consider to be a chair make up that chair. And all of those things are formless. But the chair we consider to be form. So form and formlessness are already one. We just don't know it. And the reason we don't know it is because we're living in a duality trance state. We're hypnotized into believing that we are all and everything in this world is separate from the divine. So what Jesus came to show us was that the day of judgment, the day of final opinion is already here. I am divine. You are divine. It's already, the truth has already been told. In other words, that was the day of judgment, and that is the day of judgment. It's the truth-telling day. It's the day when we pronounce that opinion, that resolve, that decree, that we are who, who we are Elohim, who created ourselves anew as form. So that's sort of a start for it. Well, that's, that's profound. Thank you. And, and so one of, one of the questions that's arising in my mind then is the translation or mistranslation of, of the, the languages into these texts was that a conscious, deliberate act to, to create this duality, or was it just the people not really understanding? What's your sense of that? My sense of that is that it was the same thing that makes us think in the duality trans state. I think we all have been so um, stuck in that since the beginning of time, and there's a whole story there, but since the beginning of our creation, we've been stuck in that kind of thinking that says there's a bad and there's a good and you know, some people fall in the bad category and some actions fall in the bad category and some fall in the good category and some people fall in the good category. And we've just been categorizing. That's all we've ever done is we've categorized. And instead of living into life fully, uh, we have categorized. And that's, I think, what the translators were doing. They were, they were categorizing based upon their own view of life. And so when they translated, they didn't think in terms of, well, you know, uh, that the judgment day could possibly be something like uh, uh, an announcement uh, of, uh, of a decree that I am that I am. We could, that, no, that couldn't be possible. So it has to be something else. So in some ways, it's, it's, it's a, the whole thing, whether it's conscious or unconscious, is a massive control mechanism uh, that keeps us in this duality, which is why you call it the trans state, I suppose. Yes, and I do think there was some politics and some, you know, if you just put, if you say there's politics and there's, and there's a lot of control mechanisms that go on in the, in the over church is the, what I call it, the big church of the sort of ecclesial order that is church everywhere, even though it's not really ecclesial, an ecclesial order. Um, yeah, there is kind of a, a lot of uh, politics there. There have been for generations. We certainly know that blood ran in the streets at various points when uh, they wanted to kill all the so-called heretics. So, yeah, that's all there. Um, but I also have to give room for 
those people who of genuine heart really just didn't know that yeah. there was another truth. So th- thank you. And I, that's a, a, a lovely way of putting it. And, and so now we've got this uh, highly collective unconscious belief in this duality trance state, which you're now uh, encouraging all of us to realize and recognize isn't actually it. So how do we help uh, people step out of the trance and, and, and recognize who they really are? Yeah, that's the that's the question of the day. I I, I really think that that it's not. Uh, it's well. I'm, let me say what is not first, and then I will say what it is. It's not telling ourselves to behave right. It's not telling ourselves affirmations that I'm a good person. Um, I'm not afraid, or I, I have. I'm fearless. However, you want to say that in a positive order. It's not telling myself that I should be loving and kind and generous to other people. It's not um, telling myself that I should obey this or that rule or that this or that um, idea or ideal about, about my life. So it's not those things. What it is is acceptance of every aspect of who I am. So what that means is that my willingness to sit and be with whatever rises you know, they talk about that as a as sort of mindful meditation where you, you just sit and let whatever rises come up without judgment and let it be. And it is just like looking at that serpent on the staff, the bronzed serpent. The word bronze means um, uh, transformed. It is transformed. And so that serpent is now transformed. When we look at that serpent inside of us, metaphorically speaking, when we look at all the stuff inside of us that we do or think or feel that's not so quote-unquote good, then, you know, it, we are healed. We just look at it. We just look at it. That's it. That's all we need to do. And not try to get ourselves to change and be better people, but just recognize it. Be mindful of it. And being mindful of it, it begins to shift because the reason these things have such power over us is because we're not mindful of them. So that's a first step, and I talk about that a lot in the book. I've given even some case studies for it in the book. So, because uh, I'm also on this journey uh, alongside you, as you, I'm sure you're, you're aware, yeah. and so, so I catch myself in these unconscious moments uh, of, of not being aware and not being fully present and thinking about something I've got to do in the future when I'm with someone and, and then getting a little bit annoyed with myself because I should know better, you know. So the, these mindful moments of awareness often come in when you're being unaware, don't they, halfway through sort of thing. Yeah, they do. And it's not, you know, we are in the mindset, particularly in the West, we're in the mindset of contrivance. We believe that we have to contrive our lives, that we have to control and manage and get things to go really well for ourselves and be really good people. But there is a there is a divine self in us, and it has a life of its own, and it will give us information. But we get in the way of getting that information with all of our contrivances. So when we say, well, I shouldn't be feeling that or I shouldn't be thinking that, we just got in the way. <laughs> and so if we just go, okay, that's what I'm thinking, that's what I'm feeling, there it is, then, then we've seen it. Then we can sit with it in peace without judgment and kind of go, okay, well, where did that come from? Now, I'm not talking about psychoanalyzing. I'm just talking about being in that easy, you know, introspection that just kind of says, wow, that's interesting. Where did that come from? Um, then we begin to connect the dots of where we picked up information about 
truth and lies that that is lies. <laughs> so, um, you know, when we're when we're in that process of self discovery, what we're discovering is that the the authentic self, the divine self, those are synonyms, has a life. It has a power, and it speaks. You know, Jesus said. Um, I can do nothing of my own initiative. Now, this was a man who was going around healing the sick and raising the dead, but he said, I can do nothing of my own initiative. What he's saying is, I got out of the way. My origin, my original self, my divine self is doing this for me. That's a powerful divine self. We all have that in us. We just don't trust it. So, Andrea, we're coming up to our second break, and uh, we'll continue on this wonderful uh, expose, shall we call it, with Andrea after the break. It's Peter Tone for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be the change. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. I just want to take this opportunity to thank my sponsors for this series of shows. Sherry Chase of Chase International Real Estate Company in beautiful Lake Tahoe and Reno, Nevada. And also the wonderful people at Voice America who assist both Andrea and me for creating these great shows for you to listen and take in and absorb at this really wonderfully critical time here on planet earth my producer brandy jackson and our regular engineer matt who's with us today uh, a great thank you to them for the great work that they do 
And Andrea, you've got your show coming up immediately after this one yourself on your mm-hmm. show. Um, I just wanted to ask you, though, at this point, um, how this uh, awareness in, in writing the book Inhabiting Heaven Now, how this has changed your life, your approach to life? Well, it's again, it started several years ago with a book that I, that I uh, well, actually my whole process started several years before that in terms of meditating. So I, I believe that meditating is just a channel. It's not. Uh, it's does it's not a panacea in and of itself, but meditating for me has been one of those ways that you just sit and the divine self informs you of things. It, you, it just sort of like a download. You get information that is inside of you that you didn't know was inside of you, and you're like, "Wow, I didn't know that was in me." <laughs> so that so that's the first thing um, that happened over several years ago, probably twenty twenty five years ago, that began to happen. And and then after that, um, I was as I was saying, I, I wrote this other book, which I. I, I will eventually try to publish but um, when I was writing that book it happened to be about the book of Revelation and I just sat down and I said I'm just going to see what God or the divine does through me here I'm just going to let this come through me and see what happens well during that whole time I was as Mary Oliver says in her beautiful poetry a bride married to amazement I was just getting one profound truth after another through the discovery of this root language it was just like carrying me in this flow that was amazing that the root language was saying things very very different from what what we had been taught and and that you know was so uh powerful that experience was so powerful that it just made me fully aware that the divine self is working inside of me all the time and that sort of brings me to the definition of heaven in this book inhabiting heaven now which is not, heaven is not a place we go to after we die. Heaven is not a, a blissful state. Heaven is not any of those things. Heaven is the process. And, it, and, and the word, the root language actually means it's an incessant process by which we become aware of who we are as divine beings. So it, it, it just never stops. And hell is not a hell. It's not a place we go to after we die. It's not a punishment. There's none of that happening there. Actually, the words, when you look at the root meanings, also include words like triumph and uh, rising up and things like that. So it, um, what hell is, is actually is in the employ of heaven. Hell is the furnace. Uh, there, there's a, a, a parable about the wheat and tares where both the wheat and tares are growing in the field and the the landlord wants to, he's worried about the tares being there and the guy said, well, should we tear them out? And he says, no, because you'll pull out the wheat too. So don't do that. Let's just wait till the harvest and we'll get it all and we'll throw the tares into the furnace. Well, that's been interpreted, that furnace has been interpreted to be hell. And, and you know, especially when it includes words like gnashing of teeth, you know. Well, what we've learned is that that is the suffering inherent to the duality trance state that also brings us closer and closer to awareness of who we are. The furnace is a place of smelting, a place where they make bread, a place where uh, metal is burned down to its core, a, you know, a place where a vase is cooked. The, that's a place of transformation, um, and when you even in the uh, go as far as Revelation, that lake where the supposedly the devil is supposed to be thrown into, well, that's that's a place of all-consuming love. When you look at the rude language, so we're. We got it all wrong, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and uh, we just – the whole idea is that we're in this incessant process that carries us of its own accord, and we don't have to push the river. We don't have to make it happen. We don't have to contrive it. If we let go, it happens, 
And that's what's happened with me. As I, and the way I experience that is through a lot of peace every day. Um, even when things are difficult, if I can go back to that center place of divine self inside of me, I'm in peace again. So, uh, And it's just remembering to do that, isn't it? Yes, it is. It absolutely is. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to put it, this is, this is a off, off topic in a way, but it, it isn't because I didn't realize your connection to the revelations. But I just want to comment upon this to see what your reaction is. But one of my listeners a while ago, uh, who's an astrologer, basically uh, had this strong intuitive insight that the uh, in Revelations, the seven seals were, in, in this time now, the seven Pluto-Uranus squares that were taking place over this seven-year period. And that Pluto-Uranus square is all about transformation and breaking open and changing the old systems and, and, and changing the duality trance state, actually. And that those seven were the critical openings that we needed to go through in this time period in the, the, the awakening of a new golden age. And we've just had the fifth one as part of this grand cross last week. And, and the shaman that I work with had this very clear vision that the four horsemen of the ap- apocalypse in the seven seals, the first four, were actually the four planets in the positions that they took up uh, in the sky. And then the fifth the fifth. Uh, seal, which is all to do with the martyrs uh, being released from that judgment day, actually, uh, w- was what was happening on that Grand Cross. So what do you think about that, Andrea? I think that's a very possibly a very good explanation. You know, we've got uh, Pluto opposing Uranus in the sky right now. Yep. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think that – here's what I think. That It goes over seven several times. There's several, seven candles, seven bowls, seven um, – uh, there's I can't remember the other four, th- four things. There's four or five things that are seven in that book. But each one of them is going through um, a, a historical and a, or a futuristic period where first what's being described is how all the chakras close. The seven are the seven chakras. In every, in every way you look at it, it's seven chakras, and they're really specifically defined as to what the chakras do. It's pretty amazing. And I think the planets also match our chakras. So, you know, when we're talking about aligning with the planets, we're also talking about aligning with our chakras. So I think the, all of these things work together simultaneously. And, and I believe that, um, you know, what, what happens there is that the shock, we get the history of how the chakras closed, and then we get how they're going to open again. That's what's being told in the in the book of Revelation, as far as I can tell. And uh, so, yes, I, I have no doubt at all that the planets, I, I am very um, involved in astrology and have my own uh, sort of, I do a lot of readings for people. So I do believe that uh, the planets are doing some very interesting things right now in, with regard to the shift in our organized consciousness about um, about what is true. And that's what Uranus is all about. It's about truth. So... Um, so yeah, and I believe they the, the the what's going on with the planets is also matching our chakras. And people say, well, what if we discover more planets? Well, I believe there's twelve chakras, not just seven. So um, the, there's five above the uh, seventh chakra that are have to do with our divine self. And when the some of the those they fall down on us is what it's described in Revelation. Those five chakras fall down on us, and we are uh, changed. We are uh, transformed by that. And listening again to, to, to the way you've uh, described this today, it, it, it really feels like that we are a human design in progress and we've 
and we've gone down into this deep, dense, dark matter while we have sort of forgotten our connection to source. But there's a whole other piece of this puzzle yet to be revealed, which is this return to this awareness where we carry this conscious awareness with us, but we still now embrace this fully physical matter in which we reside. Yeah, you know, I would say that differently, Peter. I would say that um, we've not been enough involved with matter. (laughs) I would say, yeah, I would say we're more involved with our intellect than with matter. And by intellect, I don't mean intelligence. I mean um, that that, that thing in our head that covers up our intelligence. Um, I, I believe that we're, that when we really are, for example, listening to the body, it gives us divine, profound information. And when we really are in touch with the real nature of matter, it gives us, like, for example, one of the things I do every morning is I look out my window and I look at my trees and immediately I'm, what, what they mirror back to me is stillness. Just that deep, deep rooted stillness. And that's just such profound information that I get by not just looking at the tree, just like looking at a tree, but looking at the tree and sort of listening to what it has to give me. So it's, it, that kind of stuff is something we don't do. And I think some of the ancient, uh, peoples did do that. They did help us get in touch with what the message was from matter, what the, what the real essence of matter was. Uh, but those people were uh, burned at the stake. <laughs> so, so you know, we're not so much in touch with that anymore because that was too scary for us. And so we backed off into the intellect. And I think we're going to come back to a time where body becomes much more important to us and we begin to listen to it in a whole other way than we have in the past. And I think that's so important because, again, we are here in a creative process. All of us are very brave to come here and walk through the duality trance state because what we're trying to do is answer all the questions relevant to duality so that we can put it to rest forever. And when that day comes, when we have totally answered all the questions relevant to duality and there's only oneness, the entire universe is going to change to where matter is also uh, aware of its divine nature. So that's going to be a real shift, and it's going to be real interesting. People talk about, you know, um, one of the things Jesus said was, um, greater things than you, I'm going to the Father, so greater things than these shall you do. You think about what is greater than raising somebody from the dead? Well, maybe it's not dying. And and so maybe there will come a time when we uh, that we're so in touch with the body that it doesn't need to die to become formless they will already it has ways of being formless whenever it wants to i don't know but it's a very interesting thing to think about and how and how consciousness will interact with matter and how matter will interact with consciousness as we clear that duality yeah absolutely well andrea we're actually coming up to our next break so i'll take that break now and we'll return with andrea matthews it's awakening to conscious co-creation The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment. 
in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you, to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Much can be learned from the new children who embody a higher vibration and consciousness. However, the world we live in has not always been understanding of the gifts, differences, and awarenesses that they contribute. Listen for Journey with the New Children, Teens, and Adults, presented by Saturn Three Light Flyers. Each week, hosts Michael and Janice Bordway, along with their son and frequent guest host Tristan Bordway, share the discoveries of parenting and being one of the new children. It's an amazing journey. Join us Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just a reminder, if you want to join our live meditations on a Thursday morning, you can go to my website, www.peteretongue.com, and click on the events button. Uh, tomorrow, I will actually be doing a Wesak Valley meditation, guiding and leading people there to be part of this uh, process that is happening right now on the full moon uh, in Scorpio, 24 degrees Scorpio. And actually, the Sabian symbol for that is really interesting. It's about the people attending the Sermon on the Mount and then returning back to their homes, which is really what Andrea Matthews is talking about today. It's connecting to that divine source within us and then living it in our daily lives as we go into our lives. So, Andrea, just uh, give our listeners uh, the connection they can make to you through your website, through uh, your how they can get your book and so on. Yes, absolutely. I, I, it's very interesting. You talk about the Sermon on the Mount. There's a part of the book that is uh, about that Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I'm so glad to be talking to you about this subject at this moment in time because that feels very sacred to me. So thank you for that. Oh, not at um, all. Yeah. Um, can, you can reach me at www.andreamatthewslpc.com. That's Andrea, A-N-D-R-E-A, Matthews, M-A-T-H-E-W-S. There's one T in Matthews and LPC, Larry, Paul, Cat. Uh, dot com. Um, there, my books are on there. My practice is on there. The radio show is on there. And uh, and if you want to uh, hire me to speak for a group, uh, inspirational speaking, you can uh, go to www.innerwings.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-W-I-N-G-S dot com. And you can reach me at both of those places. Telephone numbers there, uh, emails there. You can reach me in any way you need to from those two places. So I love to interact with people and uh, I'd love to hear from you. Great. Thank you. So as this synchronistic moment happened about the Sermon on the Mount, just tell us a bit about that in the book and, and the significance of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that sermon has been 
used as a kind of uh, another group of another Ten Commandments, a Jesus Ten Commandments instead of uh, the first one. And it's like they're saying uh, what's been what's been interpreted is that we are there's now not just external laws like thou shalt not kill or commit adultery and those kind of things, but now we've got these internal laws. So we need to really watch our heads. We need to watch our brains. We need to make sure we're not lusting after somebody because then if we do, we're sinning. And now it's and if you really take that to its final, you know, denominate. Uh, denominator then what you get is a lot of obsessive compulsiveness we we can get really caught up in that oh i got to make sure my, my brain's not thinking bad thoughts and 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 that's actually passed into some of our more uh human potential movement kind of thinking where where people are going oh my gosh i have to make sure my thoughts are always positive or i'm going to attract some negative things and all of that's just sort of a bargain with the universe to sort of get the universe to do what we want it to do but but what Jesus is actually saying is, look, you, you, can't, um, you can't follow the law. All you're contriving is, is just contriving. You, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to make it happen. And so he's with tongue-in-cheek mocking our attempts to do that, kind of going, look, if you think that, you know, the law says this, really, take it to its, you know, inside person. And if you take it to your inside person, you're going to see that you can't do it. And so he, what he's really saying is, I want you to be more righteous than the Pharisees. The Pharisees obeyed all the laws, supposedly. I want you to be more righteous than that. But if you look at the word righteous, the word uh, does not mean anything like what we think it means. It doesn't mean moral. It doesn't mean good. It doesn't mean any of those things. The word itself um, has to do with something called, what the, and when you get down, I'm just trying to see if I've got it written down here so I could actually say the Greek word, but... Um, I don't think I do. The, the, the word means only Christ truly. When you take it down to its root, it means only Christ truly. So that's like the Buddha nature, the divine self from the Bhagavad Gita, the, the Christ nature. A lot of uh, people from Western religion talk about a Christ nature. It's our deepest essential divine self. That's our righteousness. It works on its own. We don't have to push that river. We don't have to get it to do right. <laughs> it does it by itself. So, again, we come back to surrender to who we actually are, and that beingness will take over. So let's, so let's just expand that because this is, the, I think, the nugget of, of your work and the book is this idea about heaven and what heaven actually is and, and how we can live it on earth now. So just, just talk a bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, I think we have a concept of heaven that is so, so dualistic that it makes it hard for us to believe that heaven could be that incessant process of, of transformation into awareness of who we are as divine beings. We want very badly to believe that there's got to be some place on this earth or up in heaven or somewhere where there's no suffering whatsoever and, and all is bliss and everything is wonderful. Well, there is that place. It's inside you. It's inside every one of us. But it's not in the events in our lives. Our, the events in our lives are very often orchestrated by, by uh, the, the two things. One, the duality translate, and two, the soul's use of the duality translate to help us get closer or fuller awareness of who we are as divine beings. So when it comes to, uh, to this concept of heaven, we, we just don't want to hear that heaven is not a place we can go to after we die. Now, here's the thing. Heaven is also a place you can go to after you die, okay? But it's also inside of you right here, right now. So you don't have to wait. 
You don't have to wait to get to that place of deep peace, deep abiding peace. You don't have to wait for that. You can have it now. But it's not going to be found by trying to be good. It's not going to be found by being a righteous, the old classic definition of the righteous person. It's going to be found in your deepest essential core nature. And that is a journey you'll take. And it may take a lifetime to take it. In fact, it may take many lifetimes to take it. It may take uh, you walking through one thing after another. But here's the thing. There's no failed life, not one failed life. There's a passage in Isaiah that says, um, my word will not return to me empty. And by word, many people think that that means the word of God, the gospel, will not return to God empty. But really, when you look, break down the language again, what you find is that the word is the divine self. The word is the divine energy. It it was breathed into its its breath. It was breathed into us when we were first put here. And it's not going to return to God empty. We Our version of, of God, quote-unquote God, is a very failed image you know half 90 percent of the world is going to hell really (laughs) that's that's a pretty failed attempt don't you think so you know when we think of 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 the the truth of it is that we are in the breath of the divine the breath of the divine is in us and we are in it and it is not ever going to fail so there's not one failed life not one incarnation that has failed we got something our, that our soul took home from us, f- with us, from that life. So, Andrew, we've only got a couple of minutes left, so I'd love you to explain to our listeners, for those people that you have seen begin this transformation, how their lives have changed and, and, and the impact it's had on them. Well, uh, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Carry on. No. Um, the, it's a, a very exciting. I mean, I see people just get really excited about, A, the fact that you can just kind of relax. You don't have to push this river. Uh, I mean, try to imagine pushing a river. It just won't be done. Rather, we just get in and, and, with the fl- and go with the flow. And that flow is the divine energy within us. And when people get hold of that, really grab hold of that, I see them get so excited and I hear them talking about, you know, uh, life, that life has all this beautiful, uh, peaceful, wonderful uh, stuff in it that it's not uh, you know we're not talking about um, how am I going to pay the bills and you know how am I going to get to work on time and all that stuff we're talking about wow did you see that tree did you did you hear that sound I just heard did you there was a bird that was in you know they're just talking about life I I was looking at this guy's eyes the other day and his eyes were so filled with life you know that's the kind of conversations you hear when somebody comes to life because that's what it is. When we come into awareness of our divine energy, we're coming to life for the first time. And it certainly takes a lot of pressure off us uh, living this other contrived life that you talked about, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Absolutely. The pressure's gone. We can give it back to the divine self. And getting the mind uh, to still and get calm is a big piece in this uh, awakening awareness, isn't it? Well, I don't think we get the mind to 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 do that. That's it's kind of it's hard to talk this way, isn't it? It really is. We have to. We're so used to thinking in these terms of contrivance. But uh, no, I think the mind wants to be still. I think it wants to be still, and if we just sit, it calms down. 
Well, we've uh, certainly had a very uh, calming show today, and I really appreciate your time, Andrea. You've done a wonderful job explaining this challenging uh, shift in awareness and consciousness, but I really appreciate your time, and have a great show yourself in a few moments. All right. Thank you so much, Peter. I really have enjoyed talking to you. It's been my pleasure entirely. It's been a total pleasure for me, too. Thanks so much. All right. So next week, I'm actually going to do my own show, and I'm, I'm going to bring together a lot of pieces of the puzzle following our journey down to New Mexico and doing the work with the Landscape Zodiac and, uh, and how the subsequent work through the Gene Keys has started to kick in and just bring this bigger picture into this uh, beautiful uh, poetic dance that it actually is. And Andrea's helped us a great deal today with her level of understanding of how this is unfolding. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, hosting my own show with you next week. And a wonderful week. It's Peter Tong for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.